Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, we chat with Noman calling from Pakistan. Noman has quickly grown his agency from three partners to over 20 employees in just a couple of years. It's really impressive. But most of Noman's clients still come from Upwork or Fiverr, and he's unsure how to break into more legitimate, bigger client work, particularly in countries where cultures are so different from his own. Noman comes to this call with a ton of questions and we tackle them one by one. We talk about how to hire the right people, how to overcome cultural barriers, where to find bigger clients and lots more. It all starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. Oh, and before the break, I want to let you know that right now we're looking for smart, ambitious freelancers who are ready to scale their business to be guests on the upcoming season of Freelance to Founder. If you'd like a free 45-minute coaching call with me and Clay and a chance to promote your business on our podcast, visit freelance2founder.com and click the yellow microphone button. We'd love to feature your business on the show. Okay, we'll be back in just a second. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. Uh, my name is Preston Lee and I run Milo.co where you can learn more about how to grow your freelance business. I'm joined today on the air by my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com where he teaches you how to be great at all things marketing. Hey Clay, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Hopefully we have a smooth episode today. We had a rough time last time uh, with some technical stuff, which, which, dear listener, we have edited out for you, so it shouldn't be an issue. But man, <laughs> it sure makes a headache on our end. But we're happy to be here, uh, happy to do another call. Joining us on the air today is Noman calling from Pakistan. Hi, Noman. Welcome to the show. Hello. Great, uh, good to be here. Hello, Clay. We're very excited to have you and uh, to dive into your business a little bit. So let's let's do that. Let's start off. You can tell us and tell the listeners about what kind of business you're running right now. So uh, I graduated in 2009 from one of the uh, public universities here in Pakistan. And after that, I started working in various companies in Pakistan. In 2013, I joined a company in Dubai as a freelance contractor. And since then, I've been doing the freelance work. In 2019, uh, with my brother and my wife, uh, we started a three-people company providing mobile and web application services to across the world. And then from 2019 
to 2021, like at this present moment, we have drawn from a three-people company to 20-people company, uh, providing services in mobile wow. and web application space. So this is uh, the Fantech Labs is all about. So, yeah. <clears throat> that's fantastic. I mean, that's some good growth in a couple of years from three people to 20 yeah. people or more. Um, that's great. So, so tell us the kinds of clients that you're currently working with. What does your client base look like? So, uh, primarily our customer base is in US and Canada and some of the customers are in the, uh, in the Europe. So we primarily serve two, three niches. One is the logistical side. We provide software services for a logistic company in Pennsylvania, uh, named DropRide. Then, um, we do provide some CRM customization solution to our client based in Canada and some custom mobile application development to our European customer base. So we are doing trying to do a bit of everything. And I think that would be our main point of discussion today. I love that. Well, let's dive right in then and let's talk about your uh, your questionnaire that you filled out. So as listeners of the show know, everybody who comes on for a coaching call can fill out this questionnaire. We ask you all about your business, where it's at currently, and where you'd like it to be. And by the way, if you'd like to come on the show and get a coaching call like Noman is getting today, we'd love to chat with you about your freelance business and help you to scale it up to an agency to whatever you want it to be. Um, Clay and I have tons of experience in growing our own businesses working with clients, scaling up, and even selling our own companies. And we'd love to have you on. We're currently trying to find some great guests for our next round, our next season. So visit freelance2founder.com. And at the bottom of the page, you can find some information on how to join us here on your own coaching call. Come on a call with me and Clay. We'll promote your business. We'll talk about how we could uh, help you make it a little bit better and grow a little bit more. And that's what Noman did. Uh, Noman filled out the questionnaire. And on the questionnaire, we have, among other things, a scale that we have you fill out, fill out from 1 to 10. 1 being freelancer, 10 being founder. Noman, you put that you uh, currently would say you're a 5. You know, Based on what you've said, I'd say that's true, maybe even higher. A 20-person company is, is quite an achievement. Um, and, and you said in the next 6 or 12 months, you'd like to be at an 8. Tell us what an 8 might look like in your business in the next year. So uh, when I say that 8, I would primarily want to jump into more uh, small to uh, medium-sized business customers where we would be providing services to, to, the, uh, to, to actual companies, not to the individual hobbyists. So that's, that's one mm. thing. And we would like to have like, some big ticket projects and specifically I'm really looking forward to have like six to uh, a year's long contracts. So this is where I'm trying to position myself and our company. Okay. So the higher ticket stuff, uh, more long-term contracts. So right now you're doing more low ticket work and short-term stuff? Like how long does a typical contract run for you right now? Yes. Uh, so usually uh, we are doing small ticket stuff and uh, maximum uh, with, with these mobile apps, we are getting about like a quarter long contract, like three months to four months maximum. Apart from like few of our long-term contracts that we, that pays our bill. But uh, 
but the most part, the usual project looks like from a two months time to three months time. That's that's about that. Okay, and you'd like to have more like a year, or maybe even like indefinitely, month to month, or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what we are looking for. And what what do you what have you found is like your biggest hurdle so far in finding those kinds of clients, those more medium sized businesses with longer term contracts and higher budgets? What where have you found it's difficult? So uh, I put it in like. Uh, if I divide this uh, question, I, I have like answered in two parts. The one is we are primarily getting our customer base from Fiverr and Upwork, where mostly we run into, especially in the app space, to the people who are more of hobbyists. And sometimes, no offense, but people would like to have an Uber clone in like $300, which is not doable. The second part is, yeah. which is, yeah. Yeah, which is I'm really interested is, is to train or, you know, train my people in a way that we should, we, we can provide value to a high ticket customer, especially in, in, in the small to medium enterprise spaces, like, I really want to jump into more into the CRM space. So that's what we are, I think we are lacking. So I'm looking forward to have some advice in, in the team building and how to basically manage resources there. Okay, so it sounds like maybe moving away from or graduating up from these job sites like Upwork or Fiverr, but also like providing additional resources through your team to your potential clients. Am I hearing all that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Well, I think there's a lot to talk about here, particularly like building a team mm-hmm. that can uh, be more flexible and offer more uh, more services to your clients. I'd I'd be interested to hear from you, Clay, because Clay, you've you've done something similar. You know, listeners know that you went from being a singular freelancer to growing a twenty plus person agency. Like, how did you decide um, in what ways your team should grow in terms of the the skills and services that you could offer your clients? Like when did you know, you know, you might you might have started as a web designer, when did you know to like hire a copywriter or hire a social media marketer or I don't even know who you hired, but how did you decide when to hire that next person? Yeah, so as far as like when to hire, that's that's a really good question and that's a very popular topic I would say among the entrepreneur space. Um uh as far as like when to hire, like how many people do you have again? So on your team, yeah, we do have like twenty people. Not all of them are developers, so we do have some QA people. Some some of the people do graphics and social media marketing, but in total twenty, including Got ourselves. It. Yeah. So is is the real question uh, when to hire a certain person with a with a skill set, or just like when to hire in general? Because like you already have people on your team. Yeah. Uh, when to hire a person on a with a certain skill set, uh, it would yeah. be more appropriate. Okay. Um, so first of all, I would I would one thing that I did uh, with my team that worked out really really well was I actually cross trained people on my team, um, and so that creates a lot of flexibility among your your uh, employees. Um, and and like who can do what? Um, one of the things that I always tried to do was I always tried to have t- uh, people have at least two skills. Um, they have their primary skill, what they do most of the time, 
and then they have a secondary skill that they could pick up the pick up the the piece or not pick up the pieces, but uh, pick up the slack where where maybe you're where there was more volume where we need to, where you need to catch up. Um, so that was probably the most beneficial thing that I actually did with my team versus just trying to find someone else to hire for a skill set. Mm. Um, plus, that actually helps when when uh, in a couple of different scenarios, whenever you have a team, like if, for example, when someone goes on vacation, someone's sick, or someone just ups and quits on you. And if that hasn't happened to you, it will. Um, it's just a matter of time. But if somebody were to just up and quit, it's good to have other people who have been cross-trained in those areas where you have no disruption in business. So... Is that kind of what you're looking for, Preston? I think I, lo- I love that idea. Yeah. When you say you cross-trained them, uh, did you have employees training employees then? Yeah. So it, for the most part, yes, ninety percent of the time, I would take I would take the like. So for example, if I have a, um, uh, I had a graphic designer, uh, I had I had uh, my lead web developer train that graphic designer on how to actually do websites. Um, another example is I had uh, um, a one of my social media people train a videographer on how to do social media, and vice Very versa, cool. right? And how to how to get my uh, how to my videographer train my social media people on how to do light video editing. So that kind of stuff, and it, it made things uh, just so much easier if somebody were to like quit or go on vacation or yeah. Or, or like you said, if there's more demand, like if all of a sudden you have more video clients than social media clients, it's like, yes, we have the flexibility. They may not be the, like the videographer may not be the best social media person, but they could certainly like take orders or, uh, you know, uh, follow some steps from the social media folks. Yeah. You could totally reallocate your team Mm. according to demand. Like it's so much easier to just cross train. Uh, so So you do have the ability to reallocate resources versus just being like, Oh no, I gotta like okay, video is like all of a sudden um picking up. I gotta hire another video person. Like, okay, so the problem with that is is that it costs you another human capital. Um, and then also uh, where a lot of companies um uh fall in the pit is they do a quick hire. Yep. And so like quick hires are n- never a good idea because you just don't vet the people as much as you should. Um and so if you end up hiring the wrong person, it costs you way more money. Um, so like cross, that's the reason why I, I would choose cross-training versus hiring. Now, there are situations where you do have to hire, but, um, but I would definitely cross-train if, as much as possible. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro 
pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Noman, what's up? What are you hearing over there? What's resonating with you? Are we headed in the right direction? Yeah. Uh, so my question here would be: uh, so cross training is a good idea, like, but when you are in a war situation, would you, would you be like, uh, like spending your, uh, you know, office time in training your resources, or would that be a good idea to give them a take home task and reward them with some additional bonus uh, if they treat that or Teach certain trainings or uh, do that in their own time. What would you suggest? All right, so I have some two cents here. Um, what I would do is I would encourage. I would actually do a little bit of both. Um, I would, if I were you, allocate some time for your team to tra- to train your other team members um, a certain a certain amount of time, um, and and then on top of that. I would high I don't know how you give raises in your company or like how you pay people, like how you pay more as far as like bonuses and things like that, but like for example, in my company, I don't give raises. I don't give time-based raises. Just because someone has been here a year, I don't give them a raise. Like to me that's yeah. baloney. Yeah. Like I why why would you like I get it, like you you're encouraging loyalty. I understand that. But like the way I give raises is you have to increase your skill set. So like I'm very clear with my team. I said I say okay if you have you know level 1 skill set, okay you get paid this much. If you have level 2 which includes this this, um then you get paid this much. If you have level 3 and you you know how to do this this and this, then you get paid this much. And and if they can learn all that stuff in in a short amount of time, then I go ahead and give them a raise. That's that's fine with me because in my opinion uh, the more skills that an employee knows, the more money they will make you. So I have no problem giving that person a raise. So that's why I think giving people uh, or allocating some in quote unquote in office time to train 
uh, I think is a good idea. But you can also give him, you know, send him home with like, you, you can't, I don't know how it is in your country, but like here in, in the United States, you, you can't really force people to work overtime, you know? Like, I guess you could, but nobody really wants to do that. Yeah, it's kind of, um, I'd say it's like bad for company culture to like send home is, homework. Yeah. Like stuff you're not allowed to do during the day, but it still has for to get sure. done. Like that, I would, I would yeah. be pissed if my boss gave me that stuff. Yeah. So like I, you know, but but I think organically people are they're going to learn outside of the office on their own. Yeah. Because they want that right. If you put that bonus structure in there or that raise structure in there that says if you learn these skill sets, then you will get paid more money. And I think organically people are just going to figure out how to do it faster. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts too. Like. um we don't do raises based on time either. And and we don't do it even based on like the number of skills that you learn. We do it based on results. So it's like, you know, if if we hit a certain goal or if we reach a certain milestone or sometimes just when I notice that like a member of my team's going the extra mile, you know, for, for a sustained amount of time, like then I'll say, I just feel like, you know, we need to be paying you more and and we'll do that. So um I think, you know, you can use you can use raises or bonuses. Or promotions or whatever in, in that way to motivate people to just do a little bit more. Um, but uh, I, I'd also say like you could you could find some cool perks that would like encourage additional learning and additional training that people would then like do on their own. For example, you know, depending on what's available, wherever any any listener lives, you know, you could give your team a a complimentary Skillshare or Udemy or something. Um, subscription, right? So, or or Linda, although Linda was bought by LinkedIn, but LinkedIn Learning, like you could give them a, a free learning account where they could go learn anything that they want to learn, um, and 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 then also put in place what Clay is saying. Like, if you learn certain skills or you provide certain results for our clients, then I'm willing to pay you more. Those two things combined could be a real motivator for people to go learn on their own. Um, if you don't think they'll have the bandwidth to do it during during the office hours, but I, but I would say like I am I am all about letting people have you know their own life outside of work, and um, I don't love the idea of like sending them home with homework. But I think there are other ways to to get people to to really go the extra mile in terms of being trained themselves. Noman, what's what's resonating over yeah, there? Yeah, so I think um, my message went a little uh, differently to to you guys. So. What I meant was take home task was also if, if somebody, if a lead is spending some time like an hour or two with, with the junior developer, let's say, and uh, we ask them to learn something. I mean, they can, they obviously can do that uh, in their own time, maybe on weekend or whatever. So by rewarding them with the bonus, so if you complete this thing, you would get one time this bonus, maybe a maybe a computer or a mobile phone or something like that. So this this is the usual practice. When it comes to, I really like the idea of providing them the free services like Linda or training services. We already have them and uh, everybody is free to use whatever they would like to do that. Uh, so that that cleared up uh, a bit of thing uh, on, on the team building side for me. The other thing... Um, uh, the other thing that I would like to know is that since most of our um, most of our customer base is in US and in Canada and in, in Europe, and I, I noticed that uh, we need to be more culturally aware of the customers we are working with 
you know. So, but mm, how do yeah. I instill that thing uh, in, into the, my team? Because from, from the pop culture with the Netflix and, you know, growing up on the movies and everything, I kind <laughs> of got the idea how it works, what the Halloween is, but not everybody's uh, that aware. So how do you, how do I basically train people to understand the certain cultures because something might be really off in our part of the world, but it's okay to be uh, in some other culture. So when you have meetings with the customer, uh, I, I've, I've seen in few of my calls that there were like raised eyebrows from my colleagues, so which, which was not uh, difficult for me to understand, but I felt that that was something uh you know that they need to know or learn about the culture or something so how how yeah. would we do that can you give us an example of of something like this that has happened yeah uh, maybe let's say halloween or there is an event or uh, ha- let's let's put it with that with the halloween is mm. coming and customer wants certain sort of you know characters in the in their apps and games and on our part of the world people don't mm. know what halloween is how do how do I basically okay. get a train them yeah. to, to know to be more culturally aware or about mm. just my view of it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that is that is really difficult. I mean, you can tell even as we're speaking with you, there are some things we don't, uh, many many things we don't understand about your country or your culture. Um, and so, like as we're making recommendations, we're kind of saying like we're, we're maybe we're maybe uh, prefacing that with saying like uh, I'm not sure how it works in Pakistan, but. Um, here's what we've experienced. Here's our isolated experience. I think it's just important, maybe first of all, to just soften soften the experience that way and say, you know, we've done our best to do our research, but if there's anything that stands out that that we missed culturally, we're happy to readjust. Um, you know, we've done our best to to figure out what what might make sense, but we understand that cultures are very different in different parts of the world. And so, if there's anything that we've gotten wrong, just let us know, and we're happy to fix it. I think if you're just open up front about it. Um, that that'll go a long, long way. And then Clay may have some suggestions, but the other suggestion I have is if you are able to afford it, if you have the cash flow for it, and if you have access to someone, I would recommend you uh, hire some sort of consultant. Um, you know, movies do this all the time. Uh, they'll hire a cultural consultant where they'll say, or a historical consultant where their whole job is to say, yes, this matches the truth about this culture. Um, or no, this doesn't match, or this feels off, or this feels good. You could you could potentially have someone on staff, even part time, or a contractor that's from the countries that you're working with, just to say before you present it to the client, is there anything that feels really off here culturally? We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to get anything culturally wrong. You know, does everything here look okay? I don't know, Clay. Do you have anything to add to those? Yeah, I think I think you hit it. You hit it spot on. Um, I think I think being very quite transparent up on the on the front end. I I I have figured out that clients really don't care uh, about these kinds of problems as long as you're f- up front with it yeah. and transparent with it. Like about communication. Yeah, it's communicate. So it all comes down to communication, but it, ultimately it comes down to expectations. So if you are fully, if you're fully um, transparent about this on the front end, then the expectations are met for the most part uh, with your client. So they know they know it won't it won't be a surprise if there's something that's off culturally. Like that's okay. Like you told them on the front end. Um, and then I agree with Preston trying to bring in a consultant if you can do it 
Um, I, I think what would be good about that is if you bring in a consultant and say, hey, we need training on this, um, they can actually make it very specific to your business and what you offer and who your clients are um, and and not do any other training beyond that. Uh, because I think anything outside of that would be a waste of resources, in my opinion, from a business perspective. Do you have any thoughts on there? Is anything hitting, hitting home? Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, hiring somebody who especially is from the Pakistani diaspora there who is living in the US and just talking to my team here would be would be beneficial for us to generally understand the structure and um, culture. Because sometimes I never actually face this problem, but uh, I happen to see some of the people like uh, within my team talking okay uh, about what the customer was uh, asking or talking about about generally. So that's why I basically asked this question. Uh, so I think oh, that, that, okay. that, that makes so, sense. So you've been seeing trends. Sorry? You've been seeing trending thing. So you've been seeing, you've been hearing trending things among your team about what they talk about, like what, what, what the clients are talking about. Yeah, pretty much like that. So if, if a client is talking about, I was busy, it was a Halloween weekend. I went out with my kids and everything. Yeah. They were like, they didn't know what the Halloween was. So my question actually was, how do I train my mm. people basically to understand what the customer's overall general, uh, you know, uh, environment looks like? And uh, yeah, so that, that process. Mm. You know, something you could do is you can get together with your team. And this is something you could do internally. Get together with your team. And as a team, come up with the top 10 things, cultural things that come up a lot. And then based off those 10 topics, then you do training on that specifically. Yeah. And that that will that will probably uh fix that issue like 90% of that. Yeah, that'll be like the 20% of the work to fix 80% of yes. the problems, I would mm-hmm. think. Um it could be an ongoing thing too. Like if it if it's a if it's a persistent problem that's costing you business. Uh, I'd say make it an ongoing thing. Like maybe every week you have a team uh, meeting or a Zoom or however you do work, uh, and you and you and you assign like a member of the team to come with a presentation about something from another culture that that you work with frequently. So, you know, it might be about uh, you know European holidays, or it might be I don't know what whatever you find is like a sticking point. It could be just about Halloween or something, right? Yeah. So, um, but you could assign a, a a couple of employees or or whatever to come with a presentation to say here's what this is so when you hear about it um here's what you can expect right yeah that that would be a helpful i think i'll i'll try to do that moving forward so because the holiday season is approaching so we'll have the, like more events coming on coming along um another thing that i want to basically ask is uh, we are more like in a niche space where we are, we develop like mobile apps and web applications specifically, but I really want to shift focus to, uh, to, to small and uh, medium sized enterprises, providing them solution about like, like CRM or data integration, you know, more solution, which will bring more value for us as a company. And also, 
uh, would win us like some bigger project. So uh, do so. This would come again with in in contact to in context with my earlier question to hire a skilled person or train train my existing staff into into that space. Maybe have one consultant who who can basically train and evaluate them because few of the bigger softwares that I, I I intend to provide services of would require certain types of certification. Just let's say Salesforce is one of them. So you need to provide like admin certification and a developer certification in order to win bigger projects or projects on Salesforce altogether. It all boils down to like a software development. But again, this is a very niche or very specific industry, which usually uh, are, or, or my people here don't know like it's does not mean that all of them don't know but primarily most of them don't don't understand that space so the let me re-summarize it uh how do we shift the niche like if i want to move forward to an eight on your graph and i think this direction like going to certain software or doing a training or certification of certain software was needed. Do I need to hire like specialized people or how do I train them? Like uh, have somebody come here, you know, train our people and can then get Mm -hmm. the certification. What would you suggest? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how we do it on our team. Uh, I tend to find a one person who's really great at whatever skill I need. And then if we need more support in that area, uh, I tend to, to hire uh, maybe less skilled or less knowledgeable people who can then be trained by that first person that I hired. Because you can often find those people for a little less money, but they can, they can learn from the person who really knows a, a ton about what they're talking about. And so whether it's being certified or whether it's just having the knowledge and skill set that you need um, to accomplish a task... I like to start with just one person who does it really, really well. And then as demand grows, as the need for more work grows, we can add under that person and kind of make them run their own small team um, of, of people who, who can execute as well as that person under their direction. I don't know if Clay has anything to add to that. No, I think you hit it spot on. That's exactly how, how I would do it. <laughs> what do you think, Noman? Does that... Work in your scenario? Yes, I think yes that 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 can work. So maybe have somebody who's experienced and add up like two junior developers with him or her, and then uh you know try to bring more more work for them somewhere. So uh, then uh, my next question would be: So since we are in Pakistan, there is a lot, a lots of companies basically from the US based company which outsource work here in Pakistan and uh, how do we basically try to find out the bigger ticket customers like out of the um, the usual job portals how what's what's the usual way or what's the best way for us because our presence is in a, in a different country and we are trying to look up for work in mm-hmm. a very different country so how how do we approach yeah, that i think that's a great question. How, how, how can you get bigger clients despite being in a different country? I, I think first and foremost, uh, it's important to just, um, I guess, to have an understanding of, of maybe why your clients are hiring you. 
And part of the reason they're hiring you is because uh, there are certain labor laws and certain um, financial laws and that sort of thing in the United States that maybe companies don't have to cover when they hire internationally, as well as being able to get a lower rate. So, you, I mean, the truth of the matter is it is going to be hard to compete uh, against a company that is stationed in, in the same country as your client if they, if, if they, if money is not part of the issue, then, you know, there are a lot of advantages. We, we just talked about culture for five or 10 minutes, right? That's a huge advantage. Having someone working for you who understands your culture and your company and the situations, um, that can be a real game changer for a lot of companies. And so I think it's first and foremost important to like understand that there are certain reasons that companies might hire someone internationally. And I would lean into those reasons there are a lot of good reasons, right? Like you can compete on price a lot better than some a local company or a domestic company might be able to. And so um, yeah. I, I would lean into a lot of that. But, but you know, it, it's, it's worth understanding that, that, you know, it's not apples for apples. It's not a direct, a direct comparison, really, just comparing you and your company and your skill sets to one in the United Kingdom or in the U.S. or wherever um, your clients are. There's going to be differences. I don't know, Clay. Do you have something maybe more helpful for Noman than I just rattled off? Yeah, I I would I would just like you said I would focus on the the pros of hiring you. Um, the other situation that you could consider is hiring hiring one U.S. Uh, employee. Mm. Um, like for account management or like liaison yeah. between the client and the company. Yeah, that's exactly what I was uh, referring to. Um, basically, someone to communicate with your client, and so that way you can say, "Hey, yeah, we have we have U.S. people," um, and and from the client's perspective, they're communicating with someone who is here in the U.S., um, but the work is actually being done there where you are. But the client may may not like they, they don't know that they not that they need to know that, um, so like that's another option. And actually, and so, you know, now that you say it that way, lots of companies do that, right? A lot of companies do it that way. Like, um, like the the day to day work gets outsourced internationally, yep. but the client relations, the the marketing, the messaging, the the primary stuff happens domestically because of the, those culture questions we talked about before, Noman. Yeah. Plus, you gotta you gotta think about time zones too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because, like, it's really tough. It's really tough to communicate with a client um, when your time zones are complete opposite. So that, that's that's a tough thing. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it's hard. Like, we're in the U.S. Uh, we're close to the West Coast in the U.S. Clay and I both are. And Noman, we appreciate you staying up late, but like, it's very late for you right now. It's middle of the day for us and middle of the night for you, and so it, it, that can make it really difficult as well. Yes, uh, but I would, like for certain businesses, I'm not talking about my own, but for certain businesses where you need a support for the uh, night, like what if we, if we can like like call centers or BPO or, or, or the some businesses which require support, it, it is actually pretty good to have people because here it's the daytime and US it's the yeah. nighttime. So in that business, it, it works. And uh, just like uh, Clay mentioned, uh, lots of companies who here in Pakistan have the front offices 
in the in the US just similarly some most of mm. the Indian companies do have like their front offices so I think yes uh hiring a front hiring somebody in the US is 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 the right move basically to to get more it would also help with the cultural stuff that we talked about before right yeah yeah definitely. that would that would be a huge help for the cultural issues so that you could kill two birds with one stone uh <laughs> meaning you could solve two problems with one solution yeah um speaking of cultural differences right uh yes that's uh that 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 can help a lot i think uh, i think uh most of the questions that i prepared for were mostly for the team building part and uh when to hire when to shift the um industry or or the services so i think we we have covered that from at least from my part if you have any question that we have to answer yeah can i yeah can i ask you um can i ask you how uh what your employee retention is like it's pretty great. Do people, are they pretty loyal to you? Yeah, it's pretty great at this point of time. Like we are in the business since three years, like since 2019. So uh, like two, three people left. Primarily, uh, I would say that because we are in a smaller city, not in a like metropolitan. And uh, in our cities recently got universities which are offering the CS degree. So... I usually hire people straight out of college and then train them the way I want them because, uh, and then I can like basically have them work on the projects that, that are more beneficial for the company. So it, it, it's been pretty good, but in the bigger cities, it is really, really difficult because, uh, in Pakistan, you get raised after six months, after a year. And since, uh, we are the only economy which was left, uh, which was not on the internet, and we are getting on the internet. So lots of US-based investors are funding into the Pakistani startups. Uh, so there is a lot, a lots of competition in 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 the technical space. At at least if, if I if I put it that way, lots of competition to retain employees because. Uh, Lots of uh, foreign investment is coming in, and then uh, the local players and local products are also getting in a better shape. So that's 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 a challenge in the bigger cities, but not in the smaller cities where we are right now. But I I, I can see that it is happening a lot because lots of my employees are also doing their freelance stuff. So I I'm assuming that they would be like uh, they would be out of the company in coming one, two years. So that's, that's understandable. I, I bring that up because uh, and, and this is, it, it doesn't sound like you have a employee uh, retention issue. Um, but uh, just in case you do in the future, and it might be good for our listeners listening, like just because uh, you talk about like team bonding and things like that. And I don't know if you do this in your country, but if you, I think something that works really, really well uh, for team bonding um, that will even and you could do this too if you're not doing it, um, or I don't even know I don't even know if it's a normal thing, but to do activities outside of work together, maybe like once a quarter, um, that com- that builds a, a very very strong bond. Is that something that's done in in Pakistan or no? Yes, yes, definitely it's it's done uh, a lot. We do have like uh, we do have like 
official and unofficial like uh, day outs. We go to the northern side of the Pakistan for for vacations in summer. So the companies fund those all of the trip. We do have like annual dinners and then uh, after a quarter there are lunches and then a games night. So this this is happening a lot lately. So which is good and I I can see that. Perfect. Is that something that you? You do? Yes, yes, definitely. We also do that. All of these things, like oh, perfect. Yeah. So, uh, and one thing I also introduced that whoever wants to sit uh, longer hours, if they want to do, if you know, uh, they they are free to use all the facilities. There is no basically no questions are asked like why you are sitting late. What you even if they want to do their own work after office hours, they they are free to do that by sitting here. So. No problem, no questions. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's nice. All right. Well, I, I mean, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I, man, if every if everybody came on these calls with uh, as many questions as you had, Noman, <laughs> that would just be a lot of fun. I think. Right. I think it, it worked really, really well to just uh, tackle as many questions as we could. So, thank you for coming prepared, and thanks for sharing a little bit more about your business today. Uh, is there anything you want to cover in the last uh, couple minutes we have here together? Uh, no, I think I, I really appreciate you, uh, Preston and Clay, for basically arranging this podcast. It really helped me, especially like the last couple of episodes were pretty helpful. So I usually listen to them when I basically go out for cycling. So it really helps uh, to basically build your, uh, you know, mental notes. How do you approach the customers? And, you know, also the uh, it gives you a lot of insight culturally into the market we are trying to serve. So that I really appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah, thank you so much for that. <laughs> that's good. Well, we're happy to help. It's been a pleasure to have you on, on the show today. Thank you. Same here. All right. Take care. Good day. Hey. See ya. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.